Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. Imagine yourself stepping onto a tennis court or golf course or dance floor for the first time and immediately having correct form and performing perfectly. I mean, it's a dumb concept, as we all know, that's impossible. To even be decent requires a good bit of training and practice. Now think of all the relationships in your life. Did you have training in how to relate well? Did you practice specific relational tactics and techniques in order to be a great listener and conversationalist and expertly hone your personal relationship skills? What's doubtful? And to make matters more challenging, we actually, all of us, had some poor relationship skills taught to us. So we come into all relationships with some poor and unhealthy form to begin with that we need to unlearn. Well, to start improving our relationships, we must first audit ourselves. And this is part three of my series on Nedra Glover-Tawab and her brand new book, Drama Free. In this episode, I'm joined by my frequent co-host and brother, Jared Angaza. Yep, we're full-blood brothers, different last names. I asked Jared to join me because he's done so much work in his own relational journey, and he understands the challenges and the benefits. That makes him unique, because not a lot of people do that work. We really give focus to the need and opportunity of getting clear on your relational dysfunctions. Even in the absolute best of families with great love, acceptance, and support, there are no perfect people. And as you are also imperfect, you will likely adopt unhealthy perspectives around some relational concepts regardless. So getting you learned and uh, your learned and adopted dysfunctions on the table, that's the first step. And you having a drama-free relationship, as Nedra is leading us. Uh, Nedra Glover-Twab, she's a New York Times bestselling author, licensed therapist, and sought-after relationship expert. You can find her on Instagram, where 1.6 million people are following her relational guidance. And you can find her new book, Drama-Free, anywhere. If you find value from this self-helpful podcast, we would love it if you would leave us a review. Best of all, we hope that you take what you learned here Take it into your relationships. You're going to want to. You can always find and connect with me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Well, next up, Jared Angaza and I discuss the drama-free message from Nedra Glover-Tawab and the great opportunity we all have in knowing our relational dysfunctions. Brother, the thing that stood out to me at the beginning of the talk with Nedra, the beginning of her book was her call for us just to look into, in essence, our dysfunction. You know, we had a childhood, we all grew up and I I think just kind of solidified that thought in my head. We have to have dysfunction, right? There's no way we can't have some amount of, because we can't be raised by perfect people in a perfect scenario. So even if they're the most righteous, holy, enlightened people ever. I mean, just by proxy, I mean, they can't show us everything. They can't expose us to everything. They, they can't not ingrain us in their own perspective somewhat. So there's got to be a coming of age at some point for all of us to step back and go, okay, 
let's assess, let's audit. What do we get? What do we not get? And let's, let's shore it up. So at a base level, I'm thinking, why we don't do that. And that's, it seems like if I say it that way, it seems like a common sense, but we, I didn't do that. Did you do that? I mean, right away at least. No, not right away, but I had to learn to later on. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, in the maturation of a human, <laughs> just kind of figuring out, well, I think it was more of the realization and, and uh, that epiphany of like, oh, wow, yeah, the contrast is part of us. It's part of the human condition. It's part of what makes us unique and interesting even and, and all the good things, too. It's it's that we have contrast and that's where we find, you know, that kind of thing. Like when when you're uh, say you're just in a, a store somewhere or whatever and you're doing your own thing or whatever you kind of bump into someone or, or, or bump or knock something over of theirs or something like that. You're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. But most often in my experience, anyway, what happens is there's some connection that was created and then you have a conversation and then maybe you're talking and then maybe you find out like, Oh, we have mutual friends. And all of a sudden this thing happens, but it only happened because you knocked over their bag or whatever. Um, It's like you got into something, you know, and I feel like so, sort of an, an analogy for, for some of the stuff we have in our personal relationships all the time. Sometimes these areas of contrast or drama that we try to avoid are actually the things that can deepen our relationship. Uh, and, and to not go there, um, it, it sort of knocks us out of the opportunity for more depth and connection in our relationships. I, I, that's a, I like the way of putting that. It's a great analogy that's going to stick in my in my head. Uh, yeah, this this again, looking at dysfunction. It's like I I thought I might have said it in the show. I don't remember, but it had me thinking about like a, kind of a special forces thing, right? Or if you're hiring somebody for a top secret mission, I don't know. That's the my Hollywood dramatization head or whatever. But if you do that, you're gonna say, okay, what do we got to work with? Okay, you know, she knows guns and ammo, but she didn't really get trained in underwater tactical. What I, I, I don't know. I mean, you're going to do an assessment because you got somebody, you know, or just yeah. an employee or whatever. You're going to assess what you got, what you don't. Everybody has to have strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Why don't we do that in looking at our childhood? And I was just a tenedrous thing. I just didn't, I didn't have something to really reject. I didn't have a bunch of stuff in mind that I didn't, you know, it's, you, we had a similar childhood. It wasn't a terrible childhood. Um, so many great things, but not perfect. And I just didn't give it any credit. I didn't give it any value or I didn't give it any value as far as, as looking at what I got and being grateful for it for one thing, maybe. Yeah. And then on the other side and looking about, okay, what did, what did I not get? And again, they couldn't give me, I mean, we grew up in primarily Bowling Green, Kentucky. It's kind of a small place, pretty sheltered. You know, what did we not get exposed to? What did we not? And our parents had, you know, they had what they had and they were, as you said, matured way beyond their upbringings, uh, but not perfect. And again, just to do that audit and, and Jared, man, I love the, her three aspects of dysfunction, abuse, chaos, and neglect. Yeah. I wrote those down as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm looking at those and I've continued to think about it. I talked about it yesterday with somebody and, and not to over dramatize, but so me as a father, I'm thinking, okay, have I abuse is hard. That is a bad, that's a hard word. I hope I haven't abused my kids, but to some degree, 
you pick it apart. Cause my, my thought is if I take those three and really broaden them out, I've done all those three to my kids to some degree, even in my good intent and my good heart, sure. I think I'm a yeah. good person. They love me and whatever, but how could I not? I mean, there, and, and there's some, I've definitely given them chaos. I can definitely tap into that. Um, and neglect. I, I have, even from an emotional standpoint, I just didn't know. I neglected myself emotionally. How could I not neglect them uh, yeah. in the past? And I think, you know, I'm growing and changing in that, but of course I have. So I'm, I love being able to talk to them. I want to talk to them about this now. It's like, guys, this is, you, you had dysfunction. There's no way I can't give it to you. Let's talk about it. Let's get it out on the table so you can rise above it. I don't know if that's the word I want to use, but you can manage it well and be, be better for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things like it 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 is. It it exists in all of us. We all have different levels or dynamics of of these elements. Um when I whenever I discover something like that, okay, here's just something that is, you know, here's a thing from my past. Here's a thing, you know, that just happened or whatever. I can't take it away. Um here's things that I've done, whether it be abuse, the chaos, neglect, whatever. Um they're there. <laughs> so, I can either choose to reject that and deny it or be in denial or whatever, or I can choose to what I usually say is to dance with it. Um, say, okay, I recognize you here. <laughs> I recognize these things, these elements, how will I respond to them? I had a great discussion with a friend last night about everything in life being about relationships and how we honor those relationships and, uh, and ultimately coming down to how we respond. It's our response. It's really the thing that defines us. Our kids, when they think about how we show up in the world, they're really thinking about all the responses they see from us on the daily. Um, so think about these things. And anyway, I've had some epiphanies over the years of things, you know, going back and doing that sort of inventory like you were talking about here and, and looking at things that happened in childhood and, and since and then uh, ways that I responded positively or negatively. And then I have to dance with that now and say, OK, so how am I going to intentionally or respond more intentionally now to these elements that I've are that I've now realized exist in my life or this thing that happened to me when I was a kid or whatever. I have a choice as to how I respond to it now. Man, it's, anyway, then, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's interesting to think about that, to think, you know, right now, Maggie can do this. We can do this right now. I mean, you know, hopefully we, we have, I know you and I have to some degree, but to look back and go, okay, let's look at those areas of dysfunction, abuse, chaos, neglect. And let's broaden them out, okay, uh, you know, uh, to, to levels and, and say that we have to have experienced all of those to some degree, probably, in our upbringing. And this isn't to go back and vilify our upbringing and our vilify those who, who brought us up, but just to be, uh, be honest and go, gosh, yeah, there were some hard times, some things that were hard for me. There were some things that, uh, you know, we experienced. So let's do an audit. How awesome would that be for me to come to my kids and say, man, this is, this is what I experienced. And that's a part of me. And I brought mm -hmm. that in to my own parent. I, I say, you know, I, we do that with our spouse. We could do that with our friends, with our whatever, say, this is, this is what I, I've done. But with the kids to say, and this is, let's talk about you, you know, especially older kids. Of course, that's, you know, that's easier. I've got older kids in their twenties and stuff to say, man, this is, this is some things I know that I brought to you and you can probably help me understand more of what I've done to you. And I love your term of dance. Let's dance with that. Because if we learn to do that, if we take all these areas and learn to dance with them, learn to accept somewhat or be able to hold and manage, 
sort of recognize and validate that it's there. Yeah. You don't have to love it even. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but you said, man, I can dance with that. I've, 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 yeah. I've dealt with that. I want to be able to dance better. How well am I equipping them to dance with the abuse, cast, neglect that they're going to continue to experience in their life, especially in relationships and others? Gosh, I don't know. I just, for some reason, that just resonates with me. I want to be able to dance. I want to be able to do that, man. I can get on a mountain bike and put me in any situation. I can dance, you know, I can put me in a, in a and we can do that intellectually in different areas like this self-help, man. I can dance. I can't dance financially. Mm-hmm. It's not, we're not, we're not talking about money. Uh, I got no yeah. da- I got no moves. Um, it, but if I want to, I better start going there and learn it. So again, back to this, I love the concept and we should be able to be aware and learn to dance. I, I'm, I'm going to play with that. That's fun. Right on. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at the, yeah, I've done a lot of self-analyzing as you know, and, uh, constantly doing I, that. I do. That's why you're sitting here talking about this, <laughs> uh, that contemplative, you know, I lead a contemplative life, I guess, and, and constantly contemplating that, uh, you know, the experiences that I've had and that, and, and also the ones that I'm, uh, uh, sort of cultivating with the way that I show up in the world. I, I'm, I, I'm responsible for an experience that my children are having, especially at a, the younger ages. And I have been very, very upfront with them about things, you know, especially Sarah at, at, at 10 years old and talking to her about, you know, Hey, I, I, I realize that like, I have this tendency to, to do this a lot, this negative thing, whatever it is to show up in this negative way a lot um you know I, i've struggled with a lot of angst and stuff uh, before and i've had a, like the last two years of really kind of transcending that but you you know what <laughs> it was largely because of my conversations with my kids huh. and my honesty with them and sort of the intrinsic um accountability that comes with having told someone or confessed to something then there's all of it like it's been named now there's a bit of an accountability it's like hey we talked about that um and now yeah it's like it almost took the power away from those things over my life yeah to be able to just speak it um to be truthful and honest about it authentic about it and then to intentionally decide how i will respond to it now um, and how I will dance with that now, if you will, uh, just to say, like, I do recognize it. It is there. Um, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person, you know, for the angst thing or whatever. Um, but it, it has been part of me and now I can respond differently. And, and, and uh, sometimes those things can inform like my hope and some of my experience personally and with other folks has been that when you recognize something like that, like some situation that we may call abuse, which again is a harsh word, but yeah. Um, when we recognize something like that, it tunes us in if we allow it. Um, we then have the choice to, to respond differently from that point forward. Cause we've now noticed the thing in the room, you know, whatever it is. And oftentimes I think that can be then turned into a strength, like where someone, um, I've had a few people recently say like, well, I, I noticed how present you are, especially with your kids and you're, you're just a very present person and whatever. And I think about that and I kind of chuckle because I think about years past where there were times when people noticed that I was not present. It was literally on the other side of the 
spectrum there. The pendulum was on the other side. And so I put noticing it, dancing with it has caused me to come correct on the other side. So now it's actually a strength that people notice. It's hmm. it's, it's a, a characteristic that people appreciate because I'm very present as opposed to before when I was not. And I think so much, so often we tend to just be like, uh, we don't want to deal with the drama mm-hmm. of that thing, whatever it is, or just admit that we were having a moment or that that wasn't a, I don't want to, I don't like to say like a bit when we were wrong. It's not really about right or wrong in my world. Um, it's really just about like, that was a negative behavior and I, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I recognize it now. Now I have a chance to correct it. But I think a lot of times people are avoidance is a thing. <laughs> I think people, especially when it comes to relationships and, and talking more about uh, Nedra's book here, the relationships that we're in and, Man, I, I think avoidance is is like a plague that that comes into relationships. It's it's more common than not. <laughs> I, I am a card carrying member. Man, I mean that's my that's I'm an expert avoider. Um, I, that's that's what I yeah I'm I'm working through that now uh, in a big way. That's what I have done. And in that, to go to that dysfunction aspect of neglect. Yeah, I have done that, and I have people in my life. Uh, who have you know specifically said, yeah, you have, I've got my, gosh, my, my wife, my kids have pulled, have cited that my neglect in my avoidance, which, you know, I, a lot of times in my ignorance, in my well-meant ignorance though, but I thought man, I'm saving them from the, my own vitriol that I'm, I don't want anybody to suffer from. I don't want to be abusive right. with it. So I'm going to back off. Maybe that was good, but it's still an aspect you know, of neglect. And I appreciate you saying even the right or wrong thing. Cause I'm sitting here painting stories in my mind. Somebody is listening to this and I'm going to make the, I'm just going to exaggerate the point with a, you know, they had a single mother who was a rock star and she provided, she worked three jobs and she slept an hour a day and she, you know, still got them into school and helped them get into college and did all this stuff. She is a saint, right? There's no, there's no wrong necessarily here. But by proxy of her having to do what she did, that kid was neglected. They were home alone. Let's see, right. a latchkey kid. They, <clears throat> mom was not yeah. there for it. That is totally real. And that's kind of the, so are we going to go back and vilify mom? Man, no way. Not at all. And yet what you just said, it, it, it also just is. She was not there. You were alone eight hours a day. And so let's just be honest with that and say, man, I was in the best possible situation for the situation I was in wasn't a perfect situation though. And so I didn't have this. So let me learn to dance with that and say, yeah, gosh, I had some neglect. Here's an area that I can work on and shore up and learn to dance healthfully with. And so I appreciate that because I want people to hear that because, and sometimes the, when we talk about abuse, we think about that as literal stuff. You know, you were beaten, you were molested, you were, you know, whatever, abandoned, given up. I mean, those are, those are more, blatant and tangible though. I, I I know you've seen this too. Sometimes I I almost wonder if, if when it's not that tangible, it's a little more subversive and it can sometimes fester away even worse because it's not as blatant as saying, man, I had the crap beat out of me. You got to come to grips with that. That's blatant. But if it was a little subversive, And you may go for trauma therapy for that or something. 
Yeah, more, I, I think more apt, yeah, more apt to get to deal with it than if it's under the radar. Yeah, when it's more subconscious, under the radar, you know, more obscure, <clears throat> then sometimes, yeah, you said fester. It just kind of festers under there and turns into some sort of cancer that we weren't expecting or, or noticing or, or tuning into or whatever. <laughs> we, you talked about abuse a couple times here, and it is a harsh word. And I have been in some conversations over the last few years where it's come up and it, I remember the uncomfortableness of that word in the, in the discussions uh, with some friends, but also just, you know, you and I have talked about the, the five love languages uh, Mm -hmm. before. And I feel like that's a, it's sort of pointing at, the fact that we all have different ways of receiving love, of feeling love, of, of also feeling, you know, abuse, chaos, neglect, things like that. One person's chaos is another person's, you know, pleasure or, 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 uh, serenity or something. I, uh, I have learned over the years that abuse is very subject subject to the person like one like my for you know something that feels abusive to me may not feel abusive to you so if i say kevin you're abusing me you're like are you what are you talking about and i'm like well this feels like abuse to me in my world this feels abusive and that's a real thing that we have to deal with with our kids and spouses and friends and all that well let let me own that one real quick because i'm thinking because i've experienced this in some relationships if i if if the bad if a hard thing happens okay here's a hard incident that 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 happened like you just said we just bumped into each other things spilled or whatever when i am not healthy enough or or even just or even just aware enough i'm just ignorant and i think man i've got hard feelings right now i'm gonna you know save this person and i'm just gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go away so that i don't so I'm not abusive, which runs in our family, <laughs> which runs. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, but depending on who that person is, my removing myself can feel like absolute abuse. And I'm trying to, you know, this is all we're talking about relationships and it's hard to be, I want to be respectful and tactful, but it had somebody who said, man, it felt like a slap in the face, like abuse. I was like, Seriously. I, I literally thought yeah. I was kind of being good by shutting my pie hole yeah. And not say anything and going away. And it felt like abuse. So t- to your point, I mean, we've, I'm sure you have too. I've, I've lived it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. I mean, and, and, and I, you know, I've had instances of that where being like appalled, just like, what are you talking about? Abuse? What I, you, if you'd have known what would have been coming if I hadn't left or, you know, that kind of thing. I felt righteous and you're saying it's abuse, man. That's <laughs> yeah. hard to hold. Yeah. yeah. It is, but <clears throat> also important you know, and, and I've had to realize that in some relationships and recognizing that just the other side of it, things that f- feel abusive to me when I, when I analyzed it after having kind of one of those moments with someone, I was like, well, I guess this would feel like abuse to me and I bet it wouldn't to them. So touche, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. Uh, you know, and same with chaos and neglect and things like that. And avoidance, I think we, we, we touched on earlier is is a is a quick path to neglect because if you're avoiding something then someone is going to then feel i think neglected in in the in the avoidance um we yeah i mean that there's uh i don't know if you want to go into anything else there on that but uh, there's a couple other thoughts there 
Well, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sitting here and again, I'm trying to think about the, there's a lot of people that are going to hear this with different experiences and I can see, I think what I'm grappling with is, is the reality of so often we don't want to dredge up the past. The past and yeah, there's like, like the present drama or the past incidents, but like to go back and do this, try to avoid. Yeah. To yeah. go back and do this audit, man. I don't want to dredge it up because it's too painful or it feels bad to that person. And man, I just, I guess I want to put that on the table. I get that. And you know, can you do Cause we're talking about your own health and then the health and then taking that forward into the health that you know, that you have with other relationships. I mean, that's what Ned are saying. If we want this you know, drama free in essence, or at least having, you know, some peace with us, we've got to, we've got to audit ourselves and we, to do that, we've got to go look at our past somewhat and come to grips with that. So if you don't want to dredge up the past, I mean, there's got to be some aspect of personal confidence of having some grace. And even if you don't want to forgive somebody in the past, still we were talking about you just going back and doing an audit to figure out strengths and weaknesses is I don't want to minimize it, but I'm trying to say, look, this is just about you being okay today and being able to walk forward in greater health and maturity, as you said, and wisdom and peace we're talking about going back. And even if you're not ready for forgiveness, but to say, look, this happened, it is back to what you said. It just is. I need to accept that I have that and it affects me period. Yeah. I think there's a uh, bit of a misunderstanding of, of the, the purpose for going back and revisiting the past where a lot of people, I think, look at that and think, now we, we have sort of a get over it, suck it up sort of culture. Totally. Or, and, or reject it. I'm not, I'm not going to let that touch me. What tough it is. Be about rise above that. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. That kind of thing. So with that in mind, I think people avoid going back into the past like that. I, I but I think, and, and again, I, I do a lot of this is that there's a healthy way to go back and contemplate, analyze the past. So, okay. Those things were, those things happened, whatever. It's not me today. Um, but there's something I can learn from that. There's something I can take forward to say, like in analyzing some of those things that happened to me as a child, even from our parents. Again, we had all intents and purposes. We had great parents, great childhood, you know, all that stuff growing up. But they were doing the best they could, just like we are, and we all have flaws. Um, and there's, there's, you know, some things that happened along the way uh, that we had to overcome later. But. I feel like just going back to those things and saying, I recognize what it is. Now, I think that one of the other aspects, reasons people are um, hesitant maybe to go back into the past or resistant to that is because they feel like, oh, well, if I do that, I'm just going back to try to blame someone else. Exactly. You know, I need to own my behavior. Totally or agree. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that doesn't have to be the outcome. You, you could go in back into the past for the purpose of just analyzing maybe the other person's behavior and your behavior and just say, okay, what does that inform me to do now? You don't have to blame anybody. It's just better information. Uh, so I think that when you're in a, you know, I think healthy relationships have space to dance with those difficult things, the drama that may be the past that may be the neglect, the avoidance, the chaos that, you know, those kind of things. And just saying, let's just call it what it is. It, it has happened or whatever. I'm sorry for that. Or if that's necessary. Um, and, and then to just say, well, okay, well, so what does that inform us to do now? Let's just, let's take that and grow from it rather than stifle it and have it continue to, to sort of anchor us down to something negative. 
when we could just set ourselves free from it simply by analyzing it and choosing to respond differently. I love that. Blame. I think that's the word I was trying to get to of saying, okay, if I'm going to go back and maybe you don't want to dredge it up and you know, you're, you're, there's still unforgiveness maybe. And blame again, if I'm, if I'm hiring you to do something, I'm just trying, I'm just playing with an analogy to help us understand this. If I'm hiring you, I would want to know, Oh yeah, I was dramatically abused and X, Y, Z, whatever. Right. And if you said, gosh, I still blame them. I haven't forgiven them as, as an employer. Again, I'm just trying to paint a funny picture no, I, here. I get I'm going to say, okay, that's on, you can deal with that later, whatever. But I just want to, oh, that happened to you. Okay. We got to put that in the slot because that happened and, and we, we need to strengthen you, uh, around that, 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 that did happen so that you don't perpetuate that or you're not affected by that or whatever, but your relationship with that person can, we can set that over here and you can decide whether you're going to deal with that or not. You can still go here and bolster yourself. There's information for you as an individual, regardless of any interaction with the other. Thank you. Yeah, there. Okay. That's it. I guess I'm trying to separate that some because it feels like, man, if I'm going to yeah. go dredge up the past and I've got to go perfectly forgive and, and deal with reconcile whatever so that I can go forward. I mean, that would be great, but I'm saying, I don't know that you have to do that. We're just talking about taking an audit being honest yeah. with that happened, that hurt. I didn't like that. I mean, my gosh, we had, you know, you and I did not have tragic childhoods as far as upbringing parents, but I, I got mad. I had times right. of saying, I hate or thinking I, I hate you. I had hurts. Yeah. I had whatever. So to go back and just be honest with those doesn't mean I need to go back and sit my parents down and go, okay, look, let's deal. Yeah. It, I, I, I do feel a little bit like it, that's past. I don't, blame them. I don't harbor resentment against them, but to go back and help me understand some of the feelings that I didn't unpack, some of the things that may be continuing in my life that have hampered me, limited me, whatever. I want to dance better again, back to that. Yeah. I, I like that separate. So I think blame is a huge word here that to go back and do some auditing and being honest doesn't mean you need to, again, yeah, blame, vilify, even reconcile you could or could not either way we can still get it i agree yeah that's not always necessary the reconciliation and 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 maybe i should clarify that by it's complex like a lot of things and saying that i can reconcile without the other person's participation really uh Mm. in terms of reconciling my feelings about it and so on also recognizing sometimes the other person's oblivious (laughs) it's not even a negative thing in their life it's just you and sometimes we draw someone back into some drama because you know, we need to reconcile and, and maybe they, they're not even aware and it wasn't negative in their life. Maybe it was just the way we perceive And you may it. not care to reconcile or that person may be dead and there's no shot at it now. That too, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, Go ahead. Well, you and I talked earlier uh, uh, offline a little bit about, um, you know, the, the drama peace discussion and saying like, you know, the uh, there's this I- idea that avoiding drama is a way – I, I'm avoiding drama to choose peace. And Nedra talked quite a bit about that. Dude, I, I was going to read that line. Her line was love is not protection from hurt, abuse, and conflict. Say that again. Love is not protection from hurt and abuse and conflict. Yeah. It's important. I, I It is. It's not my natural language. Yeah. So... I am reminded of this Martin Luther King quote and and not just a quote or a line, but a sentiment that he uh, championed. Okay. Which is appropriate because we're recording January 13th right now, 2023. It's not when this will publish in a couple of weeks, but we're recording now. MLK day is 
Monday, the three days away, 16th. Yeah. 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 So, well, appropriate. Yeah, go. Uh, well, he, he's talking about his, um, you know, what it is that he actually is worried about or, or would, would fear to some degree. Um, and he talks about, you know, there's an obvious fear of the Ku, the Ku Klux Klaner, just to kind of put the, to dramatize that there. And and obviously at that time when he was talking, that was a very, very real thing. A very real and present uh, danger, yeah. Yeah, and I would say that a lot of that <laughs> danger is still there. It just has different names. But um, they, <clears throat> he was saying that he's less concerned with the, the Ku Klux Klaner in this instance uh, than he is with the, the – now I'll read some of the quote. I had it written yeah. out out here but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice who prefers a negative peace which is the absence of tension it's an important part to a positive peace which is the presence of justice so when we say like we're avoiding drama a lot of times what we're doing is we're just avoiding and neglecting a situation um and saying that we prefer this kind of quiet peace. Martin Luther King talked about that in, in other discussions. Um, he, uh, yeah, one uh, another part of the quote here is he says, I agree. He's, he's kind of uh, character, uh, making a characterization or whatever of a person saying, I agree with you in, in the, in the goal that you seek, but I can't agree with your methods uh, of direct action. Okay. And and that was what he was getting at it is saying, and and then to to relate that to what we're talking about, it's like if I take the direct action of digging something up or wanting to discuss something with you in our relationship or whatever, you could say, hey man, that's that's drama. Why are you doing that? That's negativity. It's past stuff. It, it's whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but there is this thing underlying that is constantly gnawing away at our relationship, and and that's not peace. That that's not actual peace. It's neglect. And maybe I think a lot of times when people are saying, I, I want peace here rather than drama, I think they're basically there's a way of just saying that I'm going to ne intentionally neglect this <laughs> so that we don't have to get into discomfort. That's what's really happening is that they're not the avoidance of discomfort um, or what feels might be negative overtly in the moment versus what is uh, this sort of subconscious negativity that's going on all the time and it's like what well, it's if, if we don't address that um again we, we miss an opportunity to deepen strengthen whatever a relationship uh because we're just quote unquote throwing air quotes up here choosing peace over getting into any drama and i think that is that is a disease that has plagued us um and maybe more so even in the Western culture, but uh, it's the, it's almost like a righteousness. Like I don't go there. I don't do that. I, I choose peace. I keep the peace here. I'm a peacekeeper. And, but then there's this bubbling underneath of something that's not being addressed uh, because we have the delusion that that's more peaceful than doing the work to get to some sort of like Martin Luther King said, justice, or what I would say in a relationship, harmony. If we're really looking for harmony, we don't get to a harmonious situation in the avoidance of drama. Let's play with that because 
harmony and you've used the word justice. I had somebody say one time, if we're going to achieve justice, if justice, the justice is the goal, let's say between two sides, seemingly sides, if justice is the goal, then it's by proxy an assumption that both sides are just, which is not always the case. And of course we see that playing out where it's expected that if you're on the other side, then you are not just, if you're not on my side, you are not just, and we can't, you know, that's a, that's not going to lead anywhere, anywhere good. Uh, let's exaggerate the point here as we're t- talking about drama. That's the title of her book, drama free, which admittedly, now I, I talked about this and Jared, I don't know if that was in the first show I did with her or the second one. And I talked about the title of the book drama, admittedly drama is a good selling point word. Right. It's yeah. not the end all of what we're talking about. We're talking about. It was in the first episode, I remember. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's say trauma in, in essence, you know, so X, Y, Z happens. Let's say it's a trauma. Let's go back to your analogy at the beginning of the show. You bump into somebody and things spill out. So let's call it a trauma. It's an, it's something that happened. You wouldn't say, oh, that's. Just as a, as a note into that. Do you remember the movie Crash? Yeah. Film? I have one of my You're favorites. the one that got me to watch that. Uh, I kind of remember that. Yeah, now, yeah. You advocate. Yeah. Um, that I feel was an example. He, they talk, I think it was Don Cheadle and he's like narrating a particular part at one, one section and talking about how we crash into each other Yeah, to feel something, to come alive, to remember something, you know, and so on. Um, and I feel like a lot of times that's subconsciously, it's not intentional or conscious that we're going to crash into someone or bump into someone in the supermarket or something like that. Um, but that we we kind of uh, I don't know I mean maybe there's even some sort of universal pull into some sort of crash that's going to give us an opportunity to transcend something to heal something to overcome something etc. That that movie so crash I mean it's 15 years old at least uh, if not yeah, yeah great depiction of back to your right and wrong aspect of seemingly wrong people doing some of the right things and seemingly right people doing some of the wrong things. I loved the complexity that they entered into our world to that film. Yeah. The equality even. Okay. So let's go back to that. So it's a crash happens as you talked about, you, you bump in and on one hand we have the, I'm going to exaggerate the two sides because I think that's where we struggle with it. We tend to polarize things and we, and so here we're going to think, okay, right. the avoider is not good. Okay. But we're also to use that word drama. I mean, most of us don't want, or a lot of people don't want drama. I'm the avoider. I do not want the drama. So I'm going to avoid that. And it's hard for me to step into that because you can also veer on the other side. I think a lot of us experience that where you have somebody who's loves the drama and they're not going to just avoid it. They're going to exacerbate it. So for the sake of this point, I'm going to say that's not okay either. So if avoidance is a form of neglect and dysfunction, I'm going to say exacerbating it is a form of abuse. That's relevant. So we're, we're not, we're not talking about either though. Those are not okay. It kind of comes into that aspect of having an issue and talking about it without complaining. Just explain what happened. Don't complain. Right. And we're right. talking, we're back to uh, blaming. And that's how you respond. That's a choice to respond. Exactly. Yeah. And we're back to that yeah. blaming. And this reminds me, I don't know how many psychologists I've had on the show. I know Whitney Goodman, she's the author of toxic positivity. Um, 
gosh, there's another one that's, uh, oh, uh, Shanti Feldhahn, who has the uh, 30 day kindness challenge and, and other books, but have talked about, and it continues to come up. There's somebody else that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not remembering, but about venting, right? A drama happened, a trauma happened, whatever, and, and venting and them saying venting is not good. Well, if anytime you say that, the people say, well, God, stuffing's not good either. I, I know they're both polarized things. Stuffing is an avoidance venting. I'm going to say that's an exacerbating And that's what their studies are saying. When you vent and it depends on how we define vent, venting is complaining, blaming, criticizing. When you do that, it's throwing gas on the fire. So I'm going to say that's abuse. Neither of them are coming into the middle and saying, look, this thing happened. Let's grapple with it. Let's hold it in respect, in love, as you said, with a, with a, a, a desire for harmony and justice. And if we're going to have harmony and justice, you can't avoid that this thing happened, this crash happened. And also if this thing, happened, you can't throw fire on it and exacerbate it. That's a form we got. I think that's a great depiction of neglect and abuse. And that's where we both have these opposing polarized sides. And what we're looking for is what my brother Jared used to talk about as the third way. Uh, uh, yes. Yes. The third, uh, the third way that brought that you brought that into in mind. And man, we are not in a third way culture. We are not in a third way relational context. Generally, when you look at social media and the media at large, there's no third way happen. There is black, white, right, wrong, opposing sides. I would say avoidance or, or, or neglect and abuse that in the middle is chaos, which is exactly how she depicted it. Yeah, and the only path to the third way <clears throat> is through deep patience and love and compassion and empathy. Uh, and I, I would add into that even strategy um, to be, you know, I could look at Jesus and say, Jesus was the example of, of the third way thinking, which is where that mm -hmm. derived from. I could also look at Sun Tzu um, of the art of war and say that he was advocating a third way. He, he would say that, you know, if you've gone to war, you've already lost. So this isn't about the art of war and the, how to do war. Well, <laughs> it's actually about how to transcend the need for war and, and have a, a third way option to, to create that, to craft that and nurture it such that, you know, both parties end up happy uh, oh. as opposed to there being a conflict. And actually, <clears throat> that that brings me to another thought. As I shared the the justice, you know, quote here from Martin Luther King, um, and, and I want to be sensitive with this because th there was a uh, there's cultural and, and timeline differences between now and and when Martin Luther King was talking about this as well. Uh, and I think justice was the right term for what was what was needed then and largely now too but I, I feel like there's a there's another layer to justice in my world now um i have justice in latin written you know tattooed on my arm um along with equality on the other side or it, it means justice and equality in latin the, the word equitas uh and it's interesting that the word we had one word for justice and equality before conveniently <laughs> western culture has separated the two so that justice is no longer uh connected or, or reliant on the idea of equality wow. which is pretty handy yeah. in a divisive you know culture um 
prior to that, it was one concept together. Justice and equality were intrinsically linked. Um, I, in my, you know, again, as an activist, I've had to dance with that a lot, the idea of justice. Ultimately, in, in the world that we live in today, justice implies some sort of punitive measure on mm-hmm. one side, you know, or a losing on the other. Right, on one right side. and wrong. Back to, yeah. It is, yeah. And it, it sort of you know, balances on that concept. So I... I said this not uh, just a while ago. I think it was at some panel discussion or something. And I said, you know, at this point I would trade, I think I, I, I'm trading my quest for justice for a quest for harmony, because ultimately what I want here is harmony. And that is a very Jesus or Sun Tzu thing to say, like both, like even Sun Tzu was looking for uh, a path you know, the true warrior creates a path to harmony rather than winning or defeat or justice or whatever. Uh, that's when you have the real master. It's like if you put two guys in a room and one has a gun and one doesn't, if the guy without a gun wins, you're like, wow, that's impressive. <laughs> because the guy with the gun is like, well, of course, he's going to shoot the other guy. But if you can create harmony in the room or if you, if you, better yet, better than saying winning, to say, like, if that if if the guy without a gun could create harmony in that situation, how beautiful would that be? Um, rather than there being any conflict at all, uh, I, I that's what I strive for is harmony in my relationships uh, more than just justice. Like, see, you know, that was right and that was wrong. Uh, that's not really the goal anymore. Can, can I play with harmony? Because I can look at that as a guy who me who I just want peace. I don't want conflict. I don't want drama. And I would rather avoid it. Can we just, I could hear myself even internally feeling like, okay, I want harmony, but we're also saying, no, no, it's not to be found at avoidance because, and so in that, as I hear you talking, I mean, are we not saying you're saying, you know, justice is, is here, which can come out as a right or wrong. We want harmony. Is that not in essence, another or a perspective, a path towards, we want connection. Sure. And if we're going to connect, it's not going to come on my efforts for harmony on the avoidance or somebody else's theoretical efforts for harmony on exacerbating the drama. You know, we're looking for connection and to do that, we're back to the third way. It's not on either polarized side. Think of a symphony, you know, you don't walk into the orchestra and, and take a baseball bat and swing it across instruments and expect to hear or experience harmony. It takes coordination. It takes I've heard patience. some death metal that may have <laughs> Maybe, worked. Yeah, that. there you go. Well, it's called death metal. There you go. Um, but the, the, the harmony that we're looking for comes from hard work, coordination, compassion, empathy, listening, connecting, all these things. It is a result, if not a natural product of doing the intentional work to create harmony so it doesn't just happen uh we have to i feel like i mean back to the drama thing and and how it relates here I, i think that we are often trading and saying i prefer a quiet suffering to a loud drama you know Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to get into the the loud conflict. Maybe conflict is even more accurate there. 
and I'll in, instead choose a quiet suffering underneath, you know, this quiet desperation we hear about. Um, what was somebody, like, who said it? Was it Thoreau or whatever? It said most men live lives of quiet, quiet desperation. desperation. Yeah. There you go. This is another example of that. Um, is that often in relationships, I think we're choosing that quiet, you know, suffering more than anything over the the blowout. I'm avoiding the blowout conversation. I'm avoiding the big conversation or whatever. Um, and I, I look at that and say, like, if I really truly desire harmony in my world, I know I'm signing up for some complexity <laughs> in my world. I'm signing up for what I would call some courageous conversations. Yeah. Um, and sharing my truth and so on. And I, I remember just, I mean, it's, it's new year's or new year's time. And so I, I remember having some of these conversations just recently in these new year's discussions. Well, I, I was talking to, to our father, dad, um, our father who uh, over dinner, the yeah. two of us were just having dinner in Florida. And I, I said, there's been a few things that have really moved me in the last year that have really worked on me in me through me. And that is letting go, which you and I talk a lot about yeah. <laughs> the art of letting go, especially in the small moments and in the, in the instance and, um, speaking my truth kindly, not angstfully, but kindly and actually speaking my truth. What do I really feel here and setting boundaries. And I talked about Nedra's book mm -hmm. to death. <laughs> um, and oh my gosh, I, I've sent her book to I don't know how many people <laughs> uh, over. Yeah, it just it's such an important discussion. But it's that setting boundaries, speaking my truth, and letting go. Those things have served me so well. But they're work. Those are things I have to work to do. Mm -hmm. And I do all of those things because I want harmony. And it's interesting, like even the idea of you know peace and harmony. I wouldn't say peace versus harmony. I don't think that's the deal, but do I, I think there's something that feels important to say in that I feel that peace requires true peace uh, is founded on harmony somehow. It's, it's like, I, uh, I, maybe I'm saying that because I feel like there's been a, when we say, oh, I'm choosing peace instead of drama, I feel like, well, you don't maybe understand what peace is. Because peace is really pointing at a harmonious kind of relationship, uh, whether they be between two countries or two humans or spouses or whatever yeah. it is. Um, I don't know. So, which, I, I think, which, well, to your orchestra, that's again, it's not an avoidance. It's a everybody playing their part. Yeah, if you just avoided it, you wouldn't hear anything. You wouldn't hear anything. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. The opportunity for something beautiful has gone away because we avoided it. That's actually even a better analogy. Well, there's two things I want to pull out from that. And again, our propensity to, yeah, I, I would love to. So here I've got this, I've got this meme in front of me. Um, and it's two people looking at, it's a depiction, something I got online and I saved it and showed it to some friends this morning, two people looking at the world in essence. And one side it's, you know, bright and butterflies and the other side it's burning to the ground. And it says, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. I have that. Yeah. I don't know who sent it to me, but I've used it many times. It's beautiful. I love that. Well, it's so, I, man, I'm here at 52 years old and it just is, I continue to come back to it that this, this thing happens 
We can call it an objective reality. I mean, it does happen. I had a friend this morning, uh, one of the guys I was with, and he was showing me a picture of his brother in California, and they had a storm, and a tree fell on the house and fell through the roof. But it happened. Okay, that happened. Yet, how do we see that? And we were playing with that, where you know the, the guy was kind of like, oh, you know, we got insurance money. Cool, we need to renovate anyways. Eh, not a big deal. Right. And you know, and we and this is not true, but we were exacerbating this concept by saying, you know, his wife could theoretically go, oh my gosh, our life is ruined at the moment. We kids don't have a place to stay. It's going to leak. We're going to get mold. It's yeah. it's obliterated. Well, neither of them are wrong, you know. But it's a and it got me that thing of you know again looking at the the polarized sides and to say so for me i'm scared of somebody who's going to take that event and blow it out of proportion back to that exacerbating it you know i think a form it can be a form of abuse me on the other side i'm going to tend to minimize it under proportion that's no good either that's neglect or we could say that's abuse either way we can play with the words but we get the idea as opposed to saying man i'm a i'm i'm a I'm a minimizer and I am, I'm going to raise my, I'm a minimizer. I know some people who are maximizers, exact, exaggerate, you know, and to say that's our tendency, how can we come together in this, an objective reality happened, but we have our perspectives. One. Now, the other thing I want to pull up though, that's been so important to me and continues to come up as we look into our past somewhat and try to come to grips with that is now we're also taking that same concept of an objective reality happened, but we experienced it through our filter. And also if I'm looking back at, to something that happened when I was 10, I had a filter that I experienced it from at 10 years old. And we'd say my memory is based on that, but yeah, but today I'm 50. That perspective is not, is not the same. I've now changed and now right. I'm reciting it four decades later. And there, there's not a whole lot of objective truth left. I didn't experience it with an objective truth. I can't even remember it as an objective truth. Right. And it, and it's further exacerbated because I've been brought to awareness of some things that I have a memory of that's absolutely, to use the word, it was wrong. I, my memory now, yeah. you know, it's like saying uh, I had somebody, Inaccurate. yeah, I had yeah. somebody recently say, yeah, my, my, my brother was uh, reciting this thing that happened to him. It, it, it didn't happen to him. It was me. He's telling my story. He just remembers me telling it. Somehow through the years, he's adopted it as, as it happened. It was actually the tree fell on me, not him, you know, whatever. And yeah. oh, I mean, there's some humility to be had as we do this that should help our grace in it to go again. I'm, I'm thinking of something that hurt back then, our experiences I did back then. Now it's so far later. And I, my memory, I got to admit, it, it can't be spot on. We don't have photographic memories, most of us. And, uh, that's a lot to play with. It is. Again, it, it as with anything, it enters in a level of complexity that we're not always comfortable with recognizing or, or let alone dealing with and working through. And yeah, there are some some great studies on memory and, and things that have, have I've studied a lot of those on on our remembering of what happened in our life and so on. And, and I have stuff too, like I'll say something like, you know, and talking about it and I have like this memory in my head about it. And then come to find out, I actually, I have a memory of mom talking about it all the time. Like, I, I wasn't even really old enough to remember, <laughs> like, I was a little kid or whatever. And it's like, and I go back into it, I'm like, I guess my memory is actually just what I heard mom say the whole time, you know, so. Or, or a picture, I've done that. Oh yeah, I have this memory of whatever. And to go back and, and realize, I, I really don't remember it, but I, I have a memory based on a picture that I saw. Right. 30, yeah. 30 years ago. And yeah, so there's. There's some grace to be had, but again, we're talking about looking back 
and doing an audit to come to grips. And I, I want to say that to, to, to look at ourselves and say, look, we've got to have some, I'm trying to find a different perspective than strengths and weaknesses, but there were some things that, you know, we got that are good and healthy and some that, that weren't and just being honest with those. Some it, that service and some that don't. Some that service. Some, and, and it may not, it may also be just some lacks there again, v- neglect voids. I mean, we had, yeah. uh, where we neglected because we did not grow up in a multiracial culture. We didn't. And is that a neglect? I know nobody, nobody's at fault or at harm, but we just didn't, man. I didn't grow up around people of different color. I just didn't. Yeah. And so, um, that should, that, that causes, um, a lack of dance moves. How's that? Uh, a fluency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of even fluency. Yeah, it does. It's like, you don't, you don't have the experience with it. So you don't yeah. have much to draw from there. I, I know. Yeah. We've had some discussions about that, but, uh, it's just a fact. It's just a thing. There's nobody to be blamed. It's like mom and dad are wrong or something like that. It's just like, just didn't come up. Like we didn't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I understand that. You know, we, we, as we're talking here too, I'm recognizing we are talking a lot about like the avoidance of drama with another person mm-hmm. and not wanting to get more drama out of that person, you know, or, or conjure up more of it because we're, we're poking the, you know, poking the snake or whatever. Um, there's another side of it that you and Nedra brought up in the in the previous uh, episodes about shame. I feel like we should probably touch on that one, um, and about the the avoidance of things because of shame. I may avoid a particular discussion because I feel shame connected to it. I may um, certainly if I'm uh, you know fessing up to something that I've recognized or whatever in, in contemplating my life. Uh, but there's all kinds of different angles of that. And obviously we've fortunately the world has Brene Brown <laughs> to help us work through shame. Um, and wow. Did, yeah. I mean, I remember the first time reading the, uh, what was it? The first one, the um, dare to be great or something. Like that. Uh, that wasn't the first one. I know what you're talking about. The first one, it put her on the map. I don't remember. I'll find I it out. You talk, it. I'll find out what the book was right on. Um, anyway, I remember reading that one and just being, stripped down man <laughs> like on the shame thing and thinking wow shame's a big thing in my life didn't yeah. know it but anyway grateful for her work uh and continued uh wisdom but i i think there's uh you know our response to shame often is the impetus of avoidance hmm. like we're going to avoid something because we sus- we suspect there's going to be a feeling of shame i'm gonna have to deal with somewhere along the line um and so we, in in avoiding the shame, we we then avoid or neglect the person or the relationship. Um. So yeah, I feel like shame feels like you're, the idea of it feels like I'm about to step into some boiling pot of water, and I don't want to go into that. I'm gonna, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna suck. You know, I don't want to do that. So we sacrifice a path to peace or harmony, maybe, um, because we're so uh, committed to avoiding shame. Uh And, and I feel like that, I get it. Obviously I'm talking, I've dealt with a lot of shame stuff, but you know, thanks to Brene. And I think the gifts of imperfection, that was her first book that put her on the map. It's the first one I saw of hers and she has so many incredible ones since then. And yeah, as you say, shame back to that word of blame because of shame, we, the last thing I I feel like it's a cultural 
pandemic and we do not want blame. We'll do anything to avoid blame. And we look at the, again, the headlines, that is it. It's pointing the blame somewhere else. So it's not on me. We don't want it on me because of shame. We can't hold that. And it feels like, why have we gotten so avoidant of that? We do not. And I'm me too. I don't want blame. And, and especially if it has shame next to it. And oftentimes it's, I, I'm the worst at places where I'm, I'm working hard not to do X, Y, Z. I'm, I'm working hard to fight that propensity of mine. And man, when you then point it back at me that I'm still doing X, Y, Z, or I did do that, man, I don't want it. I do not want that because it's shame and yeah, blame and shame. I, th- those are ugly step cousins. Well, and, and they, they so, so often lead to avoidance. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't, I don't want to go there because I might feel shame. And then there's like, or I'm going to go there so that I can blame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, neither one of us are leading in the direction that we really want to go. And even on the other side or not that that's along with a parallel maybe is, is this aspect of yeah, not wanting to go back to dredge up the past. I don't want somebody else to feel shame, man. I, right. we don't need to, I mean, we can go back and admit that XY kind of back to that. Yeah. The single mother perspective that I gave, we're we going to shame her. Do we, the last thing we want to do is feel shame because she wasn't able to be there and help me with my homework. Cause she was out her busting her bus so I could eat busting her butt so I could eat. That's not yeah. shame, but we can also look and go, yeah, there was some neglect. You were left alone a long time in the best possible scenario in a bad scenario. Um, so yeah, shame, da- yeah, dangerous. I, just maybe a super heightened awareness of being sensitive to that with ourselves that we're trying to avoid because of shame. We don't want other people often to feel shame or, or the bad side of that we're blaming because we do want them to feel shame and it's not going to, there's no, no harmony in that. Yeah. We talked earlier about the, you know, about our response, you know, to whatever it is. I think life is very much about our response. Our kids see how we show up in the world, how we show up in the world is really just a bunch of responses. Hmm. Um, and I feel like shame is a response to a, a, a it's a, it's like a, a feeling that is a response to a, something that happened. I can choose to feel shame. Um, I, I can also choose to just recognize that was something that happened. That was me then or, or whatever. Uh, and then to recognize that that may not, that it's not me now or doesn't have to be me now. Uh, I can choose to respond confidently um, and in a way that is showing self-love rather than to feel shame. And that's tough. I mean, it's, it's tougher than letting someone else go is letting our own, our, ourselves go, uh, you know, on, on something like that, like on the blame. So uh, yeah, maybe the shame thing also is like, I, or going back to the past, it's like, I'm going to blame someone else or I'm going to blame myself and feel shame. Either way, there's a blame game going on. It's yeah. not healthy. <laughs> Yeah, it, it reminds me, man, I'm thinking about this, even even towards ourselves, blame and shame. I'm, I'm grateful you brought that up, you know, to look at something and to say, man, I did that. It wasn't good. I, I may not have had bad intent or maybe in the moment I was angry and I did have bad intent, but I did X. I so call it blame. I'm going to take responsibility for it. OK, I did it. Back to your thing. It just is. But it's not all of me. I think that's yeah. the one that I keep yeah. having to come back to. And there's the old Zig Ziglar quote that failure is an event, 
not a person. Can I look yeah. at that thing and go, man, I did that and I'm going to take the blame. Can I be big enough to take the blame? I, I think in a per word, I'll be good. Yeah, man, I sure did. And not to minimize it because I, I, that frustrates me too. So on this side, we don't yeah. want to go into blame and just go, yeah, I suck guilt, shame, and just be overcome by that. That's not good. On the other side, again, we're back to that. We're such a human propensity to polarize the other side to go, you know what? I did that, but you know, I, I, I'm okay with me and I'm, I was doing the best that I can. That pisses me off too. I've never yeah, done I'm not a big fan of that. Either. I've not, I've never done the best that I can. It's a, to me, I feel like it's impossible, but I, we can play with the semantics and argument of that, but doing the best I can, cause that feels like I'm, I'm, I'm mini, again, I'm minimizing it. We've got that thing. We're going to exacerbate it. I'm the worst ever. We all think that what we did is the worst. Our shame is the worst, or we go over here and we just sweep it under the rug and try to minimize it. That's not, I mean, I did it. I own it. I'm regretful for that. I'm okay with regrets. Uh, we had Dan pink on the show not long ago with his latest book, the power of regret. It's not a bad thing. It, it can help do some, some strong things. If we can manage good it, motivator, good motivator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I did it. Um, but it's not all of me I, I, to me. That's a, that's the grand freedom. It's not all. That's a thing that I did. I'm human, not minimizing it, not exacerbating it. I did it. I'm sorry. I regret it. I want to learn from it. Yeah. Uh, but it's not all of me. It doesn't own me. Again, I mean, I'm saying that, and I've had my wife so often say, look, it's, I'm, I'm upset about this one thing. It's not all of you. She's tried to tell me that because I take it as all of me. That's my propensity is to take that criticism, and I feel shame, and it's all of me. And she said, no, you're awesome. It's just one little thing. Man, she's, I, I struggle with that. That's a big struggle with me. I, I need to look at good old Zig. I, maybe I did fail in that moment. Not, yeah, and I feel like that can, that can be really liberating as well just to say like you know in my contemplative world i've had some things over the last couple of years where some very close intimate relationships in my life where i've i've gone and said hey i've been doing some work and i've gone back to revisit some things and i recognize how out of line i was back then whatever um and i just want to say i'm sorry for that and I also want to tell you, and, and I, I did this recently, uh, anyway, and I, I said, I, uh, I, I recognize that I was acting this way. I recognize that the terrible effect that it had in, in your life. I'm so sorry for that. Um, in, in some ways it was kind of like I was drunk or something, not actually, but like in, in my emotional, you know, state at the time, um, I'm so sorry for how that affected you and so on. And I also want to let you know that I also don't carry forward shame from that. I just recognize it was something that happened. Now it informs me and it's, it's going to help me be a better father. It's going to help me be a better. No, I'm going to, I'm going to use that. I'm not care. I'm going to write that down because it plays with that aspect of regret, right? And we're in a no regret society, no regrets, no fear, no whatever. And I think that's just your psychopath apparently. Um, can I do something, own it, regret it? I did X. I wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't. Thank you. I wish I hadn't. I regret that. I do now. That feels like what I regret is. It's just like, I did that. I recognize it. I wish I hadn't done it. Yeah. I wish I didn't. And then you can move on. Like then the shame is an option if you want it. <laughs> okay. Well, but, but for have the sake of the show, we're saying, but can we do, I know I like what you said, but I am not going, I'm going to choose not to shame myself. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to put guilt in there. 
Well, and, and honestly, I mean, one of these conversations was with Ilea and, and I was talking about, you know, some stuff in the past. And I said, I, I'm I'm sorry for that. But I said, for our family, I'm committed to not carrying forward shame from that. Because that will hurt us if I do. I don't want to get I lost in words, but I'm playing. I mean, should, should, is it OK to feel guilty? Sure. But guilt, it, again, it, it doesn't have to be be an, an ongoing state it can just be a feeling that i had in the moment like so, you hit your hand with a hammer and it like ah oh, shoot it hurts but it doesn't have to be your life <laughs> like, but i but uh, i did x intentionally or not i did x it hurt you i regret that i wish i had not done that maybe i even yeah, I, I have some i have some guilt i have some hard feelings but i'm not going to walk forward in shame this is not color i feel guilt in this moment for that and that informs me to behave differently in the future i'm going to leave the guilt at this altar okay. <laughs> you know, i'm gonna leave it here uh, i'm not gonna carry that forward or the shame or or anything the regret is is a almost like a an action a verb it's, it's like a, i'm gonna regret that for a minute meaning i'm gonna recognize it wish i hadn't done it and then i'm gonna move on well you said motive which you know to dan pink i think that was he's saying regret can be a good motive so i'm gonna take that thing i'm gonna own right. it I'm going to say I regret it. That's good motive, but I'm not going to live in the shame of that. As you said, that's not going to serve anyone well. It won't serve me well. It won't serve you well. Um, yeah. Does it cause you to feel shame and, and to sit in that, let it own you? Or does it inspire you You know, to, to act differently? Because you have new information. Yeah. And now I'm inspired to act differently um, because I have this information. <laughs> like. That's a good response, I think. It's like, I recognize I did that thing. It was negative. I'm really sorry for that. I, I regret that. I wish it hadn't happened. It did. But now I'm going to use it rather than let it abuse me or, or, or hold me back through shame or whatever. I'm going to take that and use it. And you know what? I'm not going to do that to my children. Yeah. Not going to do that in this friendship with my brother or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to allow it to be something, well, I mean, to use an alchemy term, to transmute it into something positive. Mm -hmm. I've often talked with my, you know, issues with, you know, anger or, or angst or whatever, that I don't want to snuff out that energy in my life of anger. What I want to do is use that energy, channel it, leverage it, transmute it into love because it's good energy, man. It's it's a raging river sometimes. <laughs> and I can either try to block it or I can try to channel it and transmute it into something beautiful. And I think that's kind of what we're dancing around now in this whole conversation is like we have the ability to take this old drama, past drama, present drama, whatever it is and transmute it into something beautiful if we're committed to doing that. And our commitment has to be towards patience, compassion, listening, looking people in the eye and, yeah. and being there and being present and, and so on. I, I want to pull a couple of things out of there. Uh, you saying snuff out. I don't want to snuff out anger, taking those emotions. I mean, that's been part, and I've talked about that here on the show that I've had in my own emotional unawareness had therapists say, dude, you, you have an emotional dashboard you, know, you need to pay attention to. Uh, it's there for a reason. <laughs> yeah. And I think about it like the car dashboard. We all have the car dashboard with the idiot lights and the thing that says, Hey, it's overheating or your seatbelt's yeah. not done or your, your whatever that we wouldn't want to just 
duct tape those over so we don't see them. They're there for a reason to tell you, dude, if you don't do something about this, your car is going to go overheat and the engine's going to seize and blow up. Well, and, and, and like, that's a great analogy too. That's, that is a, that's the pandemic of the world is that we're all putting tape over the, the, do you know, you were, do you even know you were in Africa and I was driving your old Subaru mom and dad had it. And I, I don't know if the lights didn't work and they had no oil and the engine seized up. I remember yep. the incident when I came back or something. Yeah, at one point. it literally yeah. it happened. That that uh, we always tell our kids: if you change the oil, your engine's going to seize up. Seize up. Nobody's ever experienced that, dude. I did in your car, which is I, I, dead. I and Sorry about that. <laughs> it's all um, good. <laughs> but but yeah, we don't want to we don't want to snuff that out because it is a, it's an idiot light in essence, but it's a dashboard light saying, "Hey, there's something there to deal with." Now we don't want to just keep going with the light on. We want to deal. It's with an it. alert. It's an alert, which is often what an emotion. Mm-hmm. Or, or it is, I mean, that is kind of the essence of an emotion. It's an, it's an alert to something. Maybe it's that you're happy. Maybe that you're angry, whatever, but it's an alert. It's a, it's a prodding. Um, and if we just stifle that, then we just sort of like canceled out the, the law of nature. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Hey, this is here for a reason. I, I do want to land Jared on something that I did not bring up with Ned or I meant to, and I just, I don't know, forgot in, in the conversation, but as we're talking about this and the value of this, I'm, my greatest hope is that people will hear this and go, okay, man, I'm going to, I'm going to look back and do some auditing of my past to be better in my present, that that is strength. That is wisdom. Yeah. And I am, I'm growing to th- to feel like, man, if you haven't done that, I, I'm going to have a hard time trusting you and relating to you well. Um, and I say this as somebody who has not done this most of my life, but at this point in my life, man, if I'm going to partner with somebody or I'm going to really do something of importance, I want somebody who's done this work. So we're not waylaid by something. We don't know. Again, kind of like, you know, special forces, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like when I hire somebody, I want to be like, did you do the work? Yeah. Yeah. If <laughs> you've you done the work. Yeah. And to that degree, if you, if you've gone into some, some, you know, some, some pain and some grappling, cause if not, we're not going to resonate and I'm going to question your abilities ultimately. When I used to hire CEOs and stuff for other uh, corporations and things that people I was working with, I, I looked for the ones that had, you know, kind of a, uh, a robust, you know, history of, of, of things, but also the ones that had maybe fallen on their face at one point and had a big like failure in the moment, an incident. Uh, but then recovered well from it. I'm like, oh, you've done the work. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, 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 I don't want you to face plant on my time. <laughs> totally. J- just, I mean, to some degree, and, I, and gosh, I'm going to try to say this respectfully, but man, I resonate with parents because you kind of, you know, you've been through some similar stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, most of my friends are parents yeah. because it's like, if, if they're not, it's like, you're not even in the same world. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Well, or there's, there's a, there's a portion there. Yeah. And again, I'm not yeah. dissing somebody. I've got dear friends who, who don't no, ever no, are going to have kids, but there's a, a, there's a relating point in the same way we're talking about doing yeah. a personal audit and going back. I'm looking at now for myself and now with others as men, this is, that's a strength. You want to be enlightened? Go do this work. Go back there. So that was my point that I wanted to land on. I didn't get to with Nedra. I think it's very, and I'm, I know you're going to agree with me, very hard to do by yourself. Do as much as you can. There's great books out there that you can help you you know, audit yourself and do that. So I'm not discounting the, the value and the traction you can get doing it yourself. But I think it's really hard. So whether you want to find uh, somebody you respect that will just talk through with you, a great friend or family member that's awesome, a mentor or something like that, I am a big believer in uh, actual trained therapists. 
Um, matter of fact, when this show comes out, as people who are listening to this, when it first comes out, we're doing ads for Talkspace. Um, and there are, gosh, I'm not going to mention the others just to respect them, but there's some others out there that are online places where you can get therapy from your phone yeah. anytime, anywhere. I think there's great value in being face to face with somebody, but their point is saying, Hey, if, if, if you're not going to do it or things are going to get in the way, some people don't have access to their ability or whatever. So it's like, if yeah. well, then here's something for you. And I think and that, things like Talkspace are important. Yeah. I think there's pros and cons. I think there's great pros to be in face to face with face to face with somebody over here on their side there. There's great efficiencies to be able to whip out your phone. Part of their thing is you can just text your therapist right there right. when you need it. That, that yeah. you generally don't get with a traditional therapist. So pros and cons point being though, you and I have used and are using therapists um, because yeah, they're professionals. No, yeah, no yeah. different than if I'm going to go, if I want to go out there, if I'm a Hollywood actor and they want me to play Wolverine and I got to put on 50 pounds of muscle, I'm getting a trainer. I mean, somebody to tell right. me. So think about your therapist as it's a trainer that can help ask the questions, can help you better understand the past and bring it into the future. So again, whether it's a friend, family member, if they're valid, um, you know, I think a professional is good. My point being, this is hard stuff to do on your own. We you didn't get here on your own. All right. Like <laughs> most of the stuff that we're looking at is as a result of human interaction and just things that have happened along the way that are in our complex relationships. I'm like to think that we can rectify any of that on our own is a bit arrogant and naive. Uh, it's it, it we're going to need conversation with other people. We're in many cases, conversation with the people that were, you know, that, yeah. that caused the drama or whatever. Um, it, it reminded me of this, you know, you've heard me talk a lot about Ubuntu over the years, so that the, the concept, South African concept, I am who I am because of who we all are. Ultimately, what they're talking about is it, it, we're all intrinsically interconnected. And a lot of what we're talking about today is kind of this interconnected soup of relationships, your um, family relationships and drama in those relationships and things like that. Another South African, you know, aspect here, uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, of South Africa uh, said uh, we are not fully human alone. Yeah. I always like to pause after I say that because I, I feel like uh, I think you and I both have some uh, loner tendencies, like to just kind of go off and disappear into the woods. <laughs> um, and at the same time, I recognize that I don't get the full mm, possibility of me alone that's drawn out through my relationship with my kids and, and uh, friends and, and people like those, those things come out of me as a result of contrast or conflict yeah. or, or, or something those present those instances create opportunities um, for us to respond intentionally. And I would add maybe rather than react emotionally, that is something I think about a lot. I want to intentionally respond rather than emotionally react. Um, again, the emotions are important, but they I can pause and then come back and intentionally respond yeah. rather than just reacting to my emotion. Well, I, and I did want I think, man, a couple of resources. Obviously, we're talking about this was spawned by Nedra Glover Tawab. Uh, and her latest book, it's just as this show comes out, it's just coming out. It's called Drama Free. 
you want to dig into this on your own um, or even, you know, in, in, in jointly with, if you're seeing a therapist, whatever, great resource, get drama free. She's going to take you through the validity of this. We've talked a lot about the auditing, the dysfunction. That's part one of her book. Part two is healing from it. Mm -hmm. And part two then is growing from it. So it's an incredible resource. That's why I had her on the show. That's why we're talking about it today. Now I'm going to give a couple others just because they're meaningful to us. You turned me on to letting go, uh, the pathway of surrender. It's a book by David R Hawkins. Uh, he's passed away, but huge, uh, it was a best-selling book. It still sells, uh, well, it's kind of a classic amongst those who are trying to let go of some of the things that keep us down. And uh, another one that I know you like too, and that I talk about a lot is Anthony DeMello, his book. He's got multiple yeah. books. He's got lots. I started off with awareness. I actually got tipped off to that by Tim Ferriss. If folks know him, a right. four hour work week guy, I just saw it in something he wrote and it resonated. I bought the book. I have worn that thing out. I bought a lot of other stuff. Uh, interestingly, he has passed away as well. Um, there's other people out there. I don't have any off the, I mean, there's tons of books on this. Again, a lot of resources you can go after. Those are three that we've been privy to and, and, and used. Um, but so a lot you can do, and we're doing a lot on our own. Always this is stuff you can do daily, even as I would recommend finding somebody to help you talk through my gosh, if we're talking about childhood and trying to reconcile that and understand that a sibling, if you've got a decent enough a relationship with somebody is a great one to talk about. And you and I have done that just to help each other see things and understand things that happen in our childhood oh, together. For sure, yeah. If you don't have those that, those have been great conversations. Yeah. Conversations you and I have had about things like I didn't even realize about yeah. stuff yeah. early on and like, Oh my God. Yeah. I need to unpack that. And it's been really healthy for, for me. For yeah. sure. Well, so there I, I would encourage everyone to, do the work on this. We just gave you some resources. Again, Nedra Twab, Nedra Glover Twab's book, um, Drama Free, is our muse for this show, but there's other resources. But it's a good time to look at, yeah, who else can you work with to help you unpack some of this as you go forward stronger and in more harmony. Is that fair? Brother, the gift to do this with you. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, brother. Something we didn't mention in the show is the value you can find in rooting out your relational dysfunctions by asking your friends and family, the ones you trust and feel safe with. They know your junk already, so asking them to tell you will increase their respect for you. Otherwise, you can hire a therapist to help you. And of course, get Nedra's book. I highly recommend it. It's called Drama Free. And I encourage you to join her and 1.6 million other people following her on Instagram at Nedra Tawab. Thank you, as always, for choosing to tune into this self-helpful podcast. If you got value, we would really appreciate a review and a rating. And really hope that you'll just keep the discussion going. Talk about it with those that you care about and love and want to deepen relationships with. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others.